Hey, my name is Leslie Dorries, and I'm a marriage coach, and I'm really excited to join you on Conversations with Pearl. Here we are again, another Conversations at Pearl, and I have a fun guest with you guys today. For all those ladies that we sit out there and we go, oh, my husband doesn't do this, or oh, my husband doesn't listen to me do that, and why does he understand my feelings? Sit back, put your feet on, get your glass of wine, because we are going to have some fun right now. I am excited. I've gotten to know Leslie, who's coming on our show today over the past few weeks, and she and I have some fun talk today. So. I want to introduce Leslie Dores. She is, um, she shows men how to build a super marriage that is passionate, authentic, and a true partnership. Okay, here we go, ladies. She brings over 20 years of experience working with couples as a coach and therapist, combined with her personal experience in a 36-year relationship. I'm a 37er, so with her husband to create a paragon shift in marriage, so it can become that space where both partners feel respected and included. Her One of her greatest gifts is helping her clients to quickly and clearly understand what's at the heart of the relationship challenges so that they can find their deeper love and connection. Leslie is well known for her direct, with, direct but compassionate approach. Gentle but totally honest is what you're going to get. And I agree with her there. Her commitment to her marriage and her children led her to crisscross the country a couple of times from L.A. And we've got too much in common. I've done it twice <laughs> myself. So um, until she saw, so the um, L.A. girls settled down in the South. So she brings a fusion of cultures to both of her business and her life. She is also the author, get ready, girls, for the blueprint of for a lasting marriage, how to create your happily ever after with more intention and less work. How about less work, everybody? And her upcoming book for all the men out there, did you want to pull and sit down? Yes, ladies, grab your husband, let him sit next to you for this one, because she's got a book coming out, Being a Hero Husband, How to Build a Super Marriage with Truth, Commitment, and Authentic Leadership. Leslie, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thanks, and I'm so excited to be here, and I realized I've crisscrossed the country three times, not just twice. Oh, so. three! <laughs> I've, because why not? You know, I've literally done a triangle myself. I was born in San Diego, California. My parents um, would go to North Carolina. My dad was in the service up to upstate New York when he went to war and we ended up in Florida. Then when I graduated high school, we went to California. I met my husband. We went to Virginia and now we're back in Florida. So, okay. so, yeah, so you've done it a few more times than me, but we started out in death. I mean, I started out in LA and I'm finishing in North Carolina, but you know, with Georgia and Washington State thrown in on top of there. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you here because, you know, 
I, I, you know, so often when I'm coaching women, I hear these conversations, especially when it comes to their spouse or significant other. Oh, he doesn't listen to me. He doesn't know what I want. And, you know, I've got <sighs> over a few weeks and, you know, it's really about that communication as well. How are we communicating that to him? Mm-hmm. So let's be fair to him. And yes, ladies, I'm saying let's be fair to our spouses and our significant others. And, you know, because he needs that as well. So I'm excited to get right into it, but I want to ask you a few personal things first. Sure. So tell us where, you know, what it was your life like was growing up. Well, that was interesting. I'm I'm originally from Los Angeles, from the San Fernando Valley. Before they called us Valley Girls, I was never a Valley Girl. I never, I didn't spend much time at the Galleria, although I did know where it was. Um, and so it was a pretty, it was a pretty middle-class existence. I, you know, my, my dad was an engineer and my mom up until the time they got divorced was a stay-at-home mom. Um, and, you know, it was pretty, pretty standard stuff, nothing terribly exciting. Uh, my, my brother, my younger brother was physically handicapped. He had cerebral palsy. So that was the challenge um, that impacted my life. But it was just kind of a normal, you know, everyday kind of growing up, growing up in, in Southern California. (laughs) So, um, but, but then things, I mean, the things, things did to go downhill a little bit because, you know, my parents didn't have a great marriage. Um, My brother's um, physical challenges were impacted a lot. And, you know, they, they eventually, they eventually split up, which was not a fun experience. And it's, it drives a lot of what I do now. And I was going to say, it sounds like a lot of that, you know, leads you into your, your path of what you are doing today. And so let me go into that next question. So what obstacles have you overcome that's made you who you are and led you to what you're doing today? Well, I, you know, I do think that um, having a, a, you know, a, my, my brother who had some real challenges, um, that that helped to shape me. I think that gave me a lot of compassion, but it also was part of this tell it like it is because he used to pretend he couldn't do things and then I catch him at it. And I'm going, saw that, don't ever want to hear you tell me you can't do that again, you know? Um, and and I would, I would tend to um, push him a little bit where, where my, my mother, I think felt very guilty about his condition. And so she was much more liable to let him slide. And it was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you're no, 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 no. Um, and you know, and then I would also spend a lot of quality time with him as well, but that was, that kind of shaped my style a little bit that I could be compassionate and a little bit pushy at the same time. <laughs> um, and you know, and, and it did create it did create some um, relationship challenges for me because I, when I was younger, I was looking to, to quote the song, looking for love in all the wrong places. And luckily, by the time I met my husband, I kind of got my head on straight, and so I was much more able to be a productive partner as opposed to this needy 19 year old that I look back at, you know, at myself and went, Oh my, Oh oh my dear girl, (laughs) what you needed to know. (laughs) I love that you said that because we do have a lot in common. So first of all, Chuck and I met in Southern California in Panorama city. So not too far from all of that. 
of that area you mentioned. And then I also met him when I was 19. So that young, naive girl as well, you know, and, and so, you know, I just want, let's just get to the meeting of everything. You know, you talk about showing men how to build that super marriage. that's passionate, authentic, and true partnership. Like why, what was it about showing men that you, that what drew you to that? Like what brought you down that path? Well, it's interesting because I've been um, a licensed marriage and family therapist for over 20 years. I got started working with couples fairly early on in my career because of this five-year-old girl that was brought to me who I, you know, (laughs) I can't give a five-year-old any tools. I need to give it to her parents. And unfortunately, it was a very, very ugly divorce. She, She was figuratively the rope in her parents' tug of war. Um, and that sat very strongly with me, even though I was, I probably wasn't that much older than her when my parents, when it, when it became apparent to me that my parents were having troubles. Um, it took them a lot longer to get divorced than her parents did, but it was that still push me, pull you kind of thing. And as I worked with couples, I realized that, um, a lot, you know, both partners have a, influence on what the relationship looks like. But I think that there's been a, I think there's a lot of support for women around relationships. I don't think there's as much support for men. I think a lot of what men do is is misunderstood. One of the things that I tell my clients, there's this um, traditional thing of men want to fix things, right? And it drives women crazy, right? especially when it's when women just want to be heard and validated about their feelings, which is which is legit. Right. But the challenge is, is that. It's truly painful for men to see the woman that they love in distress. So he wants to climb up on his horse, put on his suit of armor and make everything better. And that's what's behind his fix it. Not that he thinks she's incompetent, but it truly, it pains him and it makes him feel like a failure if she is upset, even, even if the upset isn't coming from him. And if the upset is coming from him, it's even worse but, because he doesn't necessarily know what else to do, but it's driven by love and not by not by the fact that he thinks I'm incompetent. It's just that he really struggles with that. And, you know, I, I know you and I were in a clubhouse room yesterday, what you said a lot there. So, because it's true, like some, I, you know, I grew up, I have a grandfather who, you know, I just love to death. And I would watch him be that, you know, want to be that knight in shiny armor and fix, you know, to make sure everything's taken care of and, and all that. And then, you know, my dad did two and a half tours in Vietnam. So my mom was kind of like, she played both of those roles. So then when my right. dad came home to watch that, you know, have to, you know, give up that role and, you know, have that, that all meshed together, did not mesh together well at all. As you heard me share yesterday, mm-hmm. I mean, they got in, a, in any kind of argument, we walked on eggshells and all of a sudden they're like, we're talking again. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, right. What yeah. And, 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 and as a child, you're not, you're not seeing that. I mean, you're, you're seeing the results of it, but you don't know necessarily that they've, reconciled and you're still like going, you know, and, and kids are very sensitive to the emotional energy around them, even though they don't necessarily know how to make sense of it. So usually they just take it on themselves and I did something wrong. And so I have to be like this little perfect child to make sure my parents are okay. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, I, when you were describing like working with men and, and everything, I, I kind of sat and, you know, it was in my head going, and you talk about this, this little girl and her being the, you know, the, the rope, the tug of war rope, I, you know, brought me into that. You, you gave a great description of sitting in a therapy. So, you know, like you've got a couple in a therapy and, you know, here's the husband trying to show compassion and everything, but, but the wife isn't receiving, right? So how, like, what, how do you help, like, where do you bridge that gap for them to be like, you know, because for me, like I shared yesterday in, in the clubhouse room, you and I were in together, I share that, you know, I only knew not to talk when we had a right. disagreement. That's all I knew, as you just said, that's what I lived by. And so, like I shared yesterday, when my husband and I would have a disagreement, it, it was, I'd be like, okay, I'm just not going to say anything. And he would have the conversation for me. He'd be like, answering for me, answering for him. And I'd be like, that's not what I would say. And he's like, well, what would you say? Right. So, right. Well, so I mean, get that community. How do you help them see that? Like, I know it's got to be hard. Well, part of this, the, fir- the, the first part is to, to get them to understand that they're doing what they learned. That's not me. And, and to take judgment away from that. That's one of the things that gets us into trouble. And, um, you know, because we, you know, we can only do what we know. And if I don't know how to do anything different, then I just keep doing more of the same, ending up with the same not great result, but I don't know what else to do differently. And so the first thing I do is to help them understand, this is what you learned. And the cool thing about learned behavior is that we can learn to do other behavior instead of. Um, But that old behavior is always going to be sitting right there waiting to jump in and take control. And so it's about practicing. And really, it's about slowing things down to help people listen. Um, Because I'm sure you've heard about this, that there's listening to understand and there's listening to respond. And most of us listen to respond. We'll hear enough to go, okay, I know where this person is going. I'm preparing my response. And I'm not even, so I stop listening to what they're saying and I'm going to jump in. And this is kind of what happens I was talking about with the men and being really uncomfortable with their wives' really strong, hard feelings is this is really uncomfortable for me. I'm going to listen to enough so that I can go in and solve this for her. That's not listening. And this drives, you know, it's like, I just want you to validate that, you know. And so one of the things I tell people is like, okay, let your partner know what their job is. Do you want them to play devil's advocate? Do you just want them to say, that was horrible, this person was stupid, and I have your back? I mean, even if they don't agree with you, but it's like you tell them, I just want you to tell me I'm not crazy and you know, to just say, yes, that, that was awful. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. But if we, but if I haven't been taught how to do that, and you're just kind of doing the mind reading school of marriage that, oh, well, you should know what I need. No, no, specify, (laughs) right? I, I, you know, I, I need you to, to just listen. I need you to say, you know, be my cheerleader, whatever it is I need from you. 
I, I love that you said that too, like the listen to respond and listen to, you know, the, the part, listen mm-hmm. to respond, listen, to understand. And, you know, um, it, it's so true because sometimes, you know, I, I know and it's not just in marriage, but in other, you know, work, work environments as well. It's like, you know, here you are, you're the leader and you think, okay, I know what they're going to want me to do. Right. And so giving that up and just being like, okay, let me understand. And like I shared as well um, in conversations with you that, you know, our thing in our marriage is like, are you open to receiving? Then we know, you know what, it's it's not a good time right now for me to be doing that. So when can, when's a good time, right? So we can have that conversation. And it reminds me too, I've, I've said that to my husband before. I'm like, I don't want you to fix this. I just need you to help me walk through it. And, you know, have I thought about all the pieces? I don't need you to audit it because my husband's right. an auditor. So <laughs> he wants to audit everything. I mean, right. Well, because that's what he does. Right. right? Exactly. And I, I mean, to the point, like, I would even give him a letter go, I'm going to send this email. What do you think? Three hours later, I'm like, can I just have my email? Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, that was a fast read. We don't need you. But, but again, and, and, and they're coming from a place of, I want to be supportive. Right. And again, it's not, it's rarely the what that's the problem. It's the how, because, you know, and and if you go back to something as relatively simplistic as the love languages, um, you know, I will show you love the way that I want to receive love. And if you have a different love language, we're not going to be communicating because I'm speaking my language, but can I learn to speak yours? And that's a very, you know, and that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but that's, we're different people, things, we approach things differently. We have different skill sets and, you know, your husband is an auditor. He's bringing his auditor skill sets because that's what he does. Right. Right. And you bring your skill sets. And so if we don't have an understanding and a respect, which I think is a really critical component for what my partner strengths are, and, and what their skill set is. I mean, it's funny because my husband is a very intelligent, capable man. And, um, but I pick up patterns faster than he does. That's actually, that's actually a, a biological thing. Most women pick up patterns faster than men do. And so we were playing this card game where you had to, you, you had, you could match, you could match cards on like four different things, color, shape word. And there was a fourth one. I don't remember what the other one was. And so like, I'm like wiping the floor with them. I'm going, what? He goes, I can't see it as fast as you do. It's like, oh, who knew? Because it was just something that had never cropped up. And I went, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, it's not that, you know, it's not that I was, you know, in that particular game, I was better at the game than he was. I'm not some kind of better person because there's stuff that he does that it's like, yeah, hun, if you don't have a picture, please don't ask me because I cannot visualize. I've actually been tested. I can't rotate things spatially in my head. So if I don't have a picture or a, you know, my father went crazy. My father, the engineer went crazy because he needed to go get my my brother's blocks for me to understand geometry because until I had the physical thing in my hand, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And he just, and he, oh, it was just like, <laughs> drove him crazy. But it was like, I can't do this. And so this is the other thing of recognizing the difference between what is behavior and what is, I don't want to necessarily call it personality, but I want you, but but characteristics, right? Um, You know, some things we can learn and other things 
it doesn't matter <laughs> how long we do it. It's like, yep, not going to be good at that. Yeah. And I think, and that's the thing too, is for me, I, I, you know, even through the coaching that I do, it's like understanding, you know, you don't have to always be, you don't have to compromise everything. It's that communication, right? You don't need to compromise. It's like having the right communication, having the right, you know, knowing their personality, you know, like I said, you know, our thing is, are you open to receiving right now? You know, having that conversation says, you know what, right now is not a good time, you know, um, and because I knew my husband was an auditor, I knew I had to have all my facts together, you know, um, and it's, that's just how I was like, okay, I've got all my facts, you know, and it's funny, I um, I do a retreat every year, um, it's a pajama retreat, we do it every year, and our next one's in September, and a few years ago, we had one of our attendees come, and she wanted a certain piece of furniture, and she was due for a car, and she wanted a certain car, but she felt like she wasn't being heard. And so that weekend while we're there, we work through, these are things we work through on the retreat. Just like what we're doing here is talking Uh about communicating, how to communicate what our needs are, you know, saying no to others, but yes to ourselves, but Uh doing it, you know, we're not being mean. We're just saying, these are what I want. It doesn't fit my needs. You know, how do you communicate that? And so we walk, walk through that. And the really cool thing was like, she went home and she communicated. And so like within six months, she got the furniture she wanted. And when it came down for the car, he actually, he really listened and and, and he gathered that, you know, they, and she got, I think she got the car she wanted pretty close to the car she wanted. So, you know, and she's like, wow, just that, you know, her comment was just that understanding how to communicate what my needs and wants were. Yes. He wants me to have those things, but he is a fact checker, you know, right. he wants to have his facts. So like you said, understanding the love language. And so for our listeners that are here, you know, that's really important is understanding what drives that person. What, what is that language they can resonate with? We go, Oh, I got you, you know, and speaking to that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to go to my husband who's honor and be like, yeah, I'm just going to do all this and this, and I don't care what you think. No, he wants to know why it's important for me to do it, you know? Well, and and it's interesting because you're talking about coming to somebody with the facts, and this is another reason why um, I work with men. All of the men in my life, you know, that have been in my life seriously have been scientists, engineers, that left brain kind of thing. And, and I, and, and I am that way too. I have, I have that left brain ability and there is this, discomfort. And because it's discomfort, it becomes a dismissal of feelings, right? Well, you know, so, so facts are one thing, feelings are something else. And a lot of, and a lot of men, especially left brain men, um, dismiss feelings. Of course, feelings are, emotions are the um, most primitive form of communication, right? They're, they're, they're what tells us, are we safe? Are we not safe? Um, and so there actually is a lot of information to glean from them. It's just not, it's not clear information, right? It's not like two plus two equals four, forget new math, right? Um, but, you know, so a lot of times because men don't, you know, they, I have a colleague who said understanding is overrated. I need to understand this is the way you feel. I do not need to understand where those feelings come from. Now, it, now it can be helpful, right? If if we keep running into the same thing, and by the way, most arguments are at the feeling, why does this matter to me? What I call the issue level, the values, that kind of level, which is not cut and dried facts. And, and that's where most of our disagreements are. 
So if we keep running up against the same conversation, we got to go deeper. And so, um, you know, um, I like, you know, I now have a sports car. My There was a present from my husband. And when we had kids, my mom goes, oh, you're going to get a minivan. No. But you have two kids. Yes. She says, well, what happens if they want to take friends somewhere? And I said, well, if that ever happens, I will rent a minivan. Now, my children are now adults. It never happened. But I don't like big cars. Even driving my husband's pickup truck makes me feel like I, I, I don't like it. Now, can I explain that? No, I don't like the color pink either. Okay. <laughs> you know, I don't need to. It just needs to be understood. Don't buy Leslie anything pink and you'll be okay. You know, I don't have to. I don't have to justify why I don't want a big car, or why I don't like the color pink, or why I want this particular piece of furniture versus that one. You know, and that's where we get into these kind of weird conversations with people. I, you know, that's so true. I love you said. I don't have to justify why I feel that way. Like I have a fear of snakes. Don't ask me why. I just do. You know, and I came home. You and a lot of other people. (laughs) I came home one time and my oldest was, I think it was a junior in high school. And he's out in back of our lanai. And I see the snake that he's got. I'm like, oh, no, this is out of the house. Like right now. He's like, I don't understand why I'm going to keep it. Like, no, no, no. You go and a snake go. It's either you both go or the snake goes. Figure it out. But it's gone tonight. You know, he's like, I don't know why you have a fear. I go, I don't need to tell you why I have a fear. There's just no snakes. I don't like them. I I don't. I I have a fear of them. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's just can we just honor the I mean you know can we honor this feeling and most of the time it doesn't matter right it's like well okay and where the challenge comes in is if I feel strongly about something and you feel strongly about something now we have to figure out how to use and you said a word earlier that I never use ever 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 even though other marriage experts (laughs) will tell you that marriage requires compromise and I will jump up and down and scream and yell on my soapbox. No, 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 no. (laughs) Because we do have to negotiate. We do have to talk about things. But compromise is problematic because when we think about it, you give up something, I give up something, we meet somewhere in the middle. And people say, and if if nobody is happy, that means it's a good decision. (laughs) We both need to be okay with it. We need to choose. We need to look at, here's 10 different couches we can buy. Which one do we both like? Right. That's not a compromise. That's we're choosing this one. We're not choosing the other nine. And yeah. it makes a difference in how we think about things. And we just did that just recently with the couch too. <laughs> we did the same thing. It's like, you know, he needed a recliner because he's got a hip issue. And I was like, I didn't like anything. Nothing felt comfortable. Like nothing just feels comfortable. And so we found the couch we like. He goes, but it doesn't have a recliner. I said, and I was like, well, who says we have to have a couch that has a recliner in it? We can just get a recliner for you, you know? Right. I mean, it could be a whole separate piece of furniture. Right. <laughs> so, right. and he was like, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm like, I'm, you know, so that was, it was just a discussion on it. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, we were compromised or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, something just popped in my head. Oftentimes, I have a friend who her husband, you know, every so often he'll bring home flowers and she'll be like, well, why are you bring them home? He's like, can I just bring you home flowers? And I say, I go, would you just leave him alone? Well, I mean, and, and, but, but to that, that obviously means her love language is not physical, is not gifts, right? right? Her love language is something else. And, you know, so, and, and so if he's 
doing it to show her that he loves her, he's not necessarily speaking her language. And and again, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, but it's like, but it's, are you getting the result that you're looking for by doing this particular behavior? If you are, great, keep doing it. If you're not, then what, what else is going on? But those are those deeper conversations that we need to have and be able to have. Because like, you know, um, physical gifts are not my thing, right? I mean, now, you know, I, I like it if my husband brings me something, but he doesn't have to. Um, you know, my language is words of, is, uh, um, acts of service. So, you know, when I come in, in the, in the evening and it's my turn to clean up the kitchen and the kitchen is spotless, it's like, oh, he loves me, you know, because, because that's just how he shows he loves me. And he knows that's my language. I, I love that. That's part of one of my languages too. I like, I like the, you know, the flowers kind of thing as well, but yeah. the acts of service is my language. And I remember um, in our old house, um, we had a huge house. It was too big to keep up with sometimes. And so I remember coming home one time and I was like, I want to see these dishes get done by anybody other than me. I've got three men at home that can be doing this, right? And so I kind of took that stance. I'm going to not touch them, right? And I, I came home. I was like, nobody had done it. I just reached my point and I just like lost it. And I never lose it. Like I never just like blow up or anything like that. And I just blow up and I will never forget. They all were like, who is that? Like, they were, they were like, who was that, you know? And, and who I, was that masked woman that just came <laughs> flying through the kitchen, right? And well, I, I was talking to my friend. She goes, that's happened to me, too, before. I said, now, I said, I had, it's partly my fault because I didn't say I would really appreciate if you guys would make a better effort to do, you know, the dishes or do that or whatever. Well, and this is, and, and you're talking about something that is a really dangerous thing to do. Um, and that is to just kind of, you know, test our partners or test the people in our lives. I did that once when we were, um, we would take our kids out um, for good grades dinner. And for some reason, I decided, you know, I'm tired of, you know, always being the one to choose the restaurant, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so I purposely did not make a reservation. Yeah, that blew up big time because my daughter, because we were taking, we thought we were going to our daughter's favorite restaurant, which served pasta. And we got there and they were, half of it was closed because they had a wedding and they had no tables. So we had to go someplace else. And I ended up with this crying child and I went, okay, don't do that again. Um, but this is what we do. And, and the other thing that we do is we ask for help. Would you help more around the house? House stuff is a real big deal. The minute I ask for help, there's an implication that I'm responsible for it. I, I love that you said that. You know, that is so powerful. That's so true. And so what we do is we don't ask for help. We Because my viewpoint is anybody who lives in a house has responsibility for keeping it running. Six-month-old six babies are off the hook, but pretty much once you're two you know, you could participate in, in running the household and, you know, and so, but if I ask for help, can you help me clean up the kitchen? No. Nope. Well, first off, that gives you a yes or no. It's like, can I, you know, and it's like, we need to clean the house. What, what part are you going to take on? That's I'm going to do this. What, what, what are other people going to do? Um, and so I have a, I have a whole, I have a, a little mini course about how to deal with the chore wars just because it, it is such a big deal. I, I love that you said that too. It's like, we, you know, we need to, and you know, what, you know, asking what part you want to take control of. And, 
And I, I just, I think that's so powerful. That's why like also when I coach my, my, I call them CEO moms because mm-hmm. that, that word stay at home moms is like, doesn't that, you know, I'm not staying home doing nothing and eating bonbons all right. day, you know, come on. And so yeah. I love calling it CEO moms and, and my sister-in-law, Melissa, you know, she listens to us sometimes. I'm going to just give her a shout out. I remember going and visiting them in California one time and my nephew, I think he was three or four. And so she's like, he's got to put his clothes away. And I'm like, has to put his clothes away. You know, it was a concept. I like, again, I right. grew up in a household where the, the mom did everything. So I was doing everything. And so um, she's like, yeah, she says he has to learn how to fold his clothes because it's not perfect, but right. he's understand the art of doing it. And so, you know, she's like, he puts it in the bottom drawer where it's easy for him to get to. She was not, you know, I'll go behind and make sure it's, you know, he can close it, but he's that art of him doing it. Right. And then it was even his dishes. Like he would be like, he, he was old enough to get to carry the silverware to the sink, you know? So so right. I, I love that you say that. So for our CEO moms that are listening, I think that's really powerful, you know, to understand that, yes, just because you're the CEO mom doesn't mean you are the leader of all. There's right. other worker bees in that household that can be helping. Well, I mean, if you think about the model of the CEO, the CEO is not on the, uh, you know, on the manufacturing line, putting the screws in. That's yeah. somebody else is doing that. And, you know, I mean, and, and being able to let go of the perfect, right? That, okay, so maybe the clothes aren't perfectly folded, but they're folded, they're put away. Somebody else is learning how to do that. Yay, right? Yeah. I'm not having to do that. I love when I could give up laundry to my kids. It's like, here, go do right. your laundry. Mom, I don't have anything clean. Did you do your laundry? <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, where are my clean socks? I don't know. Where are they? You know, not, not, not anything that was my job to do, but that's, that's one of the things. And then we get resentful about this. And half the time, like, you know, when, when things magically happen, right, then there's not an acknowledgement of, oh, and you know, my, I used to joke that my kids thought there was a pantry fairy. It's like, no, no, no. Mom goes to the grocery store, buys all the food and puts it in the pan. Doesn't, there's no pantry fairy, you know, and, you know, and if you want something, you're going to have to tell me because I don't believe in the mind reading school of relationships, you know, but this is what we do. We just keep taking stuff on and here's the kicker, not taking anything off. So the, so if you keep putting stuff on your plate, so no wonder you're exhausted. Yeah, exactly. No wonder why you have no time to take care of yourself and not do self-care for yourself, and which is totally my jam, you know. <laughs> so to those that are listening, you've got the answer here. You know, we have this to get done. What part do you want to take on? You know, right. that's so, so, and, so. And the we is so important. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing this, which means all these other things I'm not going to be doing. Right. Yeah. You know. And, um, and then it's the case of if nobody wants to do them, then we have to decide, do they need to get done? Or do we need to find somebody who's, you know, because that because that's also if I don't do it, but it needs to get done. That means we might have to expend another resource because time is a resource that we don't tend to look at. In fact, time is the finite resource. Um, but you know, there are other resources that it's like, is it worth it for me to gain this time to let somebody else do this thing? So we've been having awesome conversations. So I want to know your, you know, we, we often hear 
you know, you're, you're coaching and you're in the world of, the, you know, the marriage and the relationships and I'm the, let me help you individually take care of yourself so you can have better, hopefully lead to better relationships for yourself. And I always get asked, so don't you have a roadmap or don't you, you know, blue, isn't there a book I can read or is there a blueprint? And so I love that you, you know, you've created this blueprint for lasting marriage. So, so tell us about that. Tell the listeners about that. Cause they, they're all, I, I'm sure they're listening going, well, if I just had something to direct me and how to communicate, you know? Well, I mean, and, and I actually do, I actually, you know, that's the first thing I teach my clients is how to communicate effectively. And you know, the, I, I did this book because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, where's the manual, right? Um, and so I actually break down what marriage is because marriage is a, I know you're never supposed to modify the word unique, but marriage is a truly unique relationship. And every relationship we've been in before this one, romantic relationship has ended. So how are we going to keep this one going? So the book breaks down um, you know, what marriage is. And then I tackle in that book the five most common challenges to marriage, which is communication, finances, um, friends, family, that external, you know, the people on the outside. Children, if we have them, I love the title of that book. That, the title of that is The Trouble with Angels. Um, and then the last one is intimacy, how and intimacy in, in the global terms, emotional intimacy, mental intimacy, physical intimacy, you know, just, it's not just sex, um, but intimacy. And, and so it's, it's actually broken down. So it actually is a how-to manual. Here's what you need to do. I, I love it. And I think, you know, I love what you said too, but intimacy is not always just sex, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's so true. And that's, you know, being married over 37 years, you learn that it's not all about the sex. It's about everything else as well. So, yeah. Right. And this, and again, this is where a lot of couples can get into trouble because they see, you know, a lot of women see, well, he just wants sex. No, he wants to connect with you. And that's one of, and and that's one of the ways to be able to do that, to be able to tap into his emotions, his caring is in that is in that realm. Now there's some, you know, there could be a lot of things that can go wrong with that. Um, because again, you know, I, I tell people nobody has to take a relationship 101 class and everybody should, nobody actually has to take a how-to sex class and it probably <laughs> might be helpful if we did. Um, but, um, you know, because these are the things that should be natural, the things that we should already know. And it's like, yeah, we all know, we all eventually learn to walk and most of us learn to run, but most of us aren't Usain Bolt. We can't win the Olympics because we don't have the skills, right? And so that's, you know, there's, there's always things that we can do to get better. And I love, you know, my son, um, and he's going to kill me for talking about this on the air, but he, he had a relationship in high school and it was that probably that relationship that, you know, that, that with the big thing happened. And so it didn't end up well. And I was like, you know, I told him, I said, high school relationships normally don't last, you know, but because he is such a giver, a hundred percent, he felt so betrayed that as he goes to other relationships, it's affected him because he has that, well, I don't yeah. know, you know, she's talking to him, you know, that, that, that trust is, you know, so he's working, I'm part of me is working through all that, you know, as he's, as he's maturing and all that, but it's, it, it's so true. Like the relationships we've had in the past, now we're in this long-term one. How are we going to, you know, make that last? So I love that you're, I love that you take those steps through right. that. I think it's really powerful. And so what I want to know now is being a hero husband, right? So all the ladies are going, 
yeah. I don't want a hero husband. My husband can't even put on a cape, right? So tell us. <laughs> then you need to be like Edna in The Incredibles. No kips, no kips, you know. Um, so, you know, and and part of this is men becoming their best selves. A lot of times, you know, I, I, you know, there, there was an old, there was a musical many, many years ago. I love you. You're perfect. Now change. (laughs) Right. And this is what, this is what happens. And, and yes, we are going to alter and grow and learn in relationship with this person, but we can't not be who we are. We can't, you know, so this is one of the things where I was actually having working with a client and she says, well, I want him to, to, to do these big romantic gestures like my dad does. And, you know, I want him to be this way. And, and um, we had this conversation and, and she, she actually asked me, she says, is it, is that an unreasonable request? And I said, yes, if that's not the way his brain works. Now, we can learn to do certain things, but to have him do it naturally, right? And so when the next time we met, I said, okay, so how would you feel if he said to you, I want you to not want those things? And she went, oh, I said, yeah. So if I want to be accepted for who I am, can I accept my partner? Now, now be clear, I'm not talking about accepting um, inappropriate behavior, right? Um, I tell people, I have a hot, fast temper. Nobody wants to get into a fight with me because I am down, dirty, in the mud, biting, scratching, you name it, clawing. You do not want this, right? And so when I get angry, I'm responsible for not putting that on my family. Now, it doesn't mean I don't get angry. I do get angry. I just have learned to behave in a different way. So I need to be clear about what I mean when I'm talking about accepting people for who they are. Um, And if we want something different, first off, we have to ask if our partner is interested in altering and learning how to do it differently. And depending on how that question is asked, most people will say yes. But we can't ask them to do things they aren't capable of doing. And, and, and not take that personally of, oh, they're not doing this because they don't love me. It's like, no, they're not doing it because that's, that's not how their brain is wired. I love that too. Like, you know, how you pose that to your client, you know, it's, well, what if he, you know, that's such a good, <clears throat> so powerful. This has been so much fun. So I, I'm going to use your quote. I love okay. your, your favorite quote, which is my Angela's quote, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. And I think that kind of sums up a lot of what you're helping, you know, your clients with. And I think that's, a, you know, as a powerful, powerful quote. Well, and I love that quote because because it gives it 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 opens up possibilities, right? And you know, we grow up, and you know, little kids when you talk to them, you know, they want to fly. They you know, they do all these things that that are defy the defy physics, right? They defy the laws of physics. And, you know, they want to be an astronaut, they want to be this, and, you know, and, and over the, you know, and then we just, you know, we just like close it down. And so my job is to open it up again. It's like, yeah, this is the way that it happened in your household. But that's not the only way. There are all these other ways. Do you, are, is there an interest in exploring them? 
And of course, we're most comfortable with what we grew up with. But when we're trying to build a, a life with somebody else, we have to make room. And sure, we have the ideal. <laughs> you know, I talk about Leslie Land, where in Leslie Land, and my my very wish is granted before it even pops into my head. And I joke around with people because I tell people I can't get anybody else to buy to, to buy into Leslie Land. You know, and you, you growing up in LA, you'll understand this. When I get on the road, I don't want another car on the road. Or I want them to know how to drive like me because they don't. <laughs> and but but I just have to live in the world that I'm in. And how do I make room for other people? How do they make room for me? And that request, how that's asked. And I love that you and your that you and your husband start with, are you open to receiving? Because that is because again, is now a good time for a conversation about this? Right. Okay. If not now, when? Right. And then this helps people have these conversations instead of I'm ticked off right now and I'm going to let everybody know it. And then wonder why nobody wants to be around me. It's like, well, gee, let's figure that out. Yeah. It's, I love you use the analogy for, um, with the LA, the traffic. Cause I remember when I moved to Virginia, um, you know, I lived in LA. We left LA when the sniper was around that time when he, they just got caught mm-hmm. the sniper. And we moved to Virginia and I was going to work and it was winter time. It's kind of, you know, like early winter snow hadn't come yet, but as I'm driving, like there's all this traffic and I'm like, what is all this traffic for? And they're like, there's sun delay. I'm like, what the heck is sun delay? And I, <laughs> I get to the office. I say to the girls at work, I go, can you tell me what sun delay is? And like, yeah, you know, the sun's shining in your face. I go, do you guys know what sunglasses and visors are? That's what I had on driving to work this morning. They go, right. but it's so bright. We don't, it's, it's winter. I'm like, yeah, if you were in LA, the sniper would come find you, you know? <laughs> the first thing it taught me right then, like, I mean, I think I went home to my husband. I go, boy, I'm like, we have a lot of adjustments to do here. <laughs> it's like, so your analogy you gave is exactly that. Like, you know, you got, you know, you have to have those adjustments sometimes, you know? And, and yeah, I love that. So I have a question for you. You're so busy. You're helping so many clients doing these books. What what does harmony in your life mean to you? Harmony. Oh, that's that's a really interesting question. Um, harmony probably feels like I'm not overburdened in any one of my areas. And it's a lot easier now that my children are grown and out of the house Amen. than it was when they were here. Um, because that took one big thing off my plate. But harmony is really, to me, it's feeling comfortable in my own skin, comfortable in my home, um, comfortable with my partner, comfortable with my husband, but, but, and, and being able to do the things that give me um, joy, that give me satisfaction. And, you know, when I see the light bulbs go off over my clients, it's like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's the best feeling ever to watch them go, oh, I get it. Or watch them practice it. Yeah, I love that. And so um, being so busy and, you know, finding that joy and that harmony, you know, where do you have time for your own personal self-care? Oh, I make time. Um, and, you know, I, I've been doing CrossFit now for almost 13 years. Pretty, you know, and so, I, you know, that's that's what I do in the mornings. I go do that. Um, that's something I've done for a long time. I I used I used to dance until my feet said, "Yo, you can't do ballet anymore." Um, but you know, I've always and I always told my husband when I met him, I said, "Don't make me stop dancing. You will not like the woman who's running around your house." Because that was 
a physical and an emotional activity for me. So, I mean, I've always been, and he's always been um, mostly supportive. <laughs> um, you know, but but that was always something that I think was really important because my mother never did it. And, and I, I recognize that, you know, that my mother was always putting herself last. And one of the things that I will tell my clients when they talk about, well, isn't that selfish? And it's like, it's only selfish if I do those activities and don't pay any attention to what else is going on. But if, if I, you know, it's like if I would go work out when the kids were at school, it's not bothering anybody, right? It's not impacting anybody but me. Um, so I was always aware of the impact on other people. But it's also that same thing that if your gas tank is empty, you can't help anybody else. Yeah. And, and, and it's really hard because a lot of, especially women, think that, oh, well, I have, you know, it's like, you know what? If the kids don't play you know, in, in that particular league, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I love what you said that too, about self-care isn't selfish because some, you know, like you said to women, we, we put that guilt on us and, you know, you're not promised tomorrow. I, I say all the time, if your friends are standing at your eulogy and they can only say what they saw you do for yourself, what are they going to say? They can't say anything else. They right, can't right. say you're beautiful, how beautiful you are, smile. What do they see you do for yourself? What are they going to say? And if you can't answer at least 10 things, we need to talk because right. you should be doing something for yourself. And, and the thing too is that it's so powerful and impactful that our young see us do those things because we grew up in that age where my mom did everything, her mom did everything. We're not in that world anymore. Mm-hmm. There's Life has gotten too busy. There's two working households, typically in most homes. Usually, yeah. Yeah. And so you have to take that time for yourself and, you know, and communicate. It goes back to communicating too. Hey, you know, like I do a staycation once a quarter and they know. I don't know when it is. I just go, you know what? It's time. I'm, like, I'm going to go. Here's everything you need. I mean, like I'm like you. My kids are older, but right. but there's still things that have come up, you know, so having that communication and it's not selfish. And, uh-uh. you know, and the other thing too is, you know, there's also that guilt. And I, I work with my clients. Like, okay. Why don't you sit down and watch a TV show with your loved one? You're, that's still self-care and you're enjoying it with somebody, you know, right. there's things you can do. I used to go and get pedicures and manicures with my son. He did the pedicure. He didn't want his fingers done, but <laughs> right. we'd, have, we'd have great conversation together, but I was taking care of me, but spending time with him too. So there's right. ways to balance that in together, you know? And so I, I love that you share that too, about self-care isn't selfish. Uh-uh. Yeah. All right. So we know you're doing your books and things like that, but what new dreams are you working on towards achieving your, your visions for between now and the end of the year? Between now and the end of the year. Well, one is trying to get this new book done, which is just like, I swore after I read the first one, I would never write a second one. And I went <laughs> back on that. And I now remember why I said that. Um, so definitely, definitely that. And, and really trying to um, probably get more exposure um, to, because I, I do have a slightly different take. And it's really interesting because right now I'm running this whole series about bad marriage advice. <laughs> you know, like one of them is marriage takes compromise. I'm sorry, that's bad marriage advice. I love that. Um, and so part of that is is helping people to really, you know, I don't think everybody should be married. I don't think all marriages should be saved. But if you are, if you are interested in, in marriage, first understand what it is um, and what it's not. And then, and then figure out, how to make it work for you and your partner. 
because it's if it's only working for one of you, it's not working. And you know, and so part of that is to rec- get people to recognize that that there are things you can learn to to be better at this. It's not that you're broken. It's just that, like I said, there's no marriage school. So that's part of what I'm really wanting to do is is to have the opportunity to get to, to do more conversations like this where I can talk to people. So this is a call out to all the listeners. Anybody's watching or listening, Leslie is available to be booked as well. You know, we both are speakers, so we both are available to be booked. Um, you can have her at, you know, retreats. And um, her Leslie and I are probably have a conversation around some of the retreats that I do. Um, but definitely, you know, reach out to her. We're going to um, share your information here in a few minutes. But um, but this has been great conversation because, you know, we have our pajama retreat that's coming up in September, September 15th to the 19th. Completely PJs, you disconnect with all your family, all your commitments, leave them behind, get in your car, drive or fly, whatever that is. And the the cool thing is you're in your pajamas, no makeup. You know, and the reason why I do that is I feel like when you take your makeup off, you get to your real self, right? We're Uh not hiding behind anything. And so we we have a, a, a makeup removal, wine tasting the first night. And then Friday and Saturday, we just, we've got great speakers. And this year we're, Creating that roadmap, like we talk about doing roadmap, like the experience uh-huh. of journey of possibilities. So where do you want to go between now and the end of the year or next year, right? And how can we create that that roadmap? And so those are some of the things that we do. When we talk about like what you've been talking about, communicating with our, our significant other, our spouses, you know, our family, what our needs are. So this has been an awesome conversation. I know our listeners should have gotten at least 10 nuggets out of this, if not more. And so I've been excited to have you here with us. And I forewarned Leslie before we hopped on that we have this great thing that we do at the end of every segment, and that's our Better Questions, Better Life cards. So to our listeners, I get nothing. I'm not one of those paid, whatever, you know, those, um, what do they call those, um, uh, info, what do they call those people on TikTok and stuff? Um, oh, I, oh, influencers? I don't know. I'm not an influence for these, but um, these cards. Or an affiliate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better questions, better life. And so we're going to shuffle them. Leslie's going to tell us when to stop and she's going to answer what question comes up. So here okay. we go. Okay. Tell me when to stop. Stop. All right. Let's see what she's got. Okay. How can I find peace today is her question. How do you how, find peace? Um, how do I find peace is I actually literally stop and take minimum of just three deep breaths. Now, if it weren't 100 plus degrees outside, I would be doing it outside <laughs> to do that. Um, but it's a little warm where I am. So it, it's, it, I, I close my eyes, just breathe and just be for just a moment. I love that. It's always about the breath and it's always about taking that breath and just being in the moment. I just, I love that you said that. That's so, so important. So this has been awesome. I want to remind our viewers that um, um, you can go, because we talked a lot today around things that also involve self-care. So you can, Leslie, share with us where they can go find you at. And we're also going to post it and everything as well. Well, I have, I actually have two websites, <laughs> which is what I do. So the first one is for couples and that's foundations with an S coaching and as in Nancy C is in charlie.com. That's www.foundationscoachingnc.com. But if they're interested in the hero husband, then I actually have the hero husband project.com. 
Awesome. HeroHusbandProject.com. There you go, ladies. That's where you need to go straight away. Hero yeah, the, the Hero Husband Project. The Hero Husband Project.com. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And I want to also remind the, our listeners that, you know, you can go get my The Ultimate Guide to Guiltless Self-Care. It's an ebook. You can download it. You can go to PearlsEbook.com. That's PearlsEbook.com. And go check it out. But if you want more information about our retreats, you can go to WSLivingRetreatsPlural.com. Again, wslivingretreatsplural.com. Go there, join us. It's everything. The price includes everything except for your transformation, uh, transportation, sorry. You're going to get transformed at the retreat. So, but thank you, Leslie, so much for joining us. And as before we close out, I just want to remind all our, our listeners and, and our, our viewers that, you know, I always say you come into this world, you're kind of this, this oyster, you're a little rough on the outside, but as you open the oyster, there is that pearl inside and you are the pearl inside. So go find your inner pearl of greatness and have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Hello, sunshine. Good to see you again.